lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seely, as always, if you came in from my terrific guest today, follow me at All In Kid and check me out over at The Athletic. Actually, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic and missing out on all the great work, I'm not even talking about myself. I'm just talking about all the great work from like Ken Rosenthal and Jay Glazer and all the myriad of other writers for your favorite teams and national covers that there's over there. And extra podcasts, too. I have one with myself and Chris Meany and Brad Ziegler called Sports Unsealed. So if you want to check all that out and not pay full price, if you go to theathletic.com front slash name of the show, no, not name of the show, but theathletic.com front slash all in sports. You get 30% off. Also, the fantasy black book is already out by Joe Pizzapia and myself and a ton of other special writing talents that are even possibly as good as me. Maybe question mark. Maybe it's a great book. You should go check it out. It's got tons of player profiles where it teaches you RPV, tells you about the players. So when you see rankings, you can digest them and come up with your own or come up with your own method because things are going to change throughout the season as well. And this tells you how to value people differently. And it's just a really insightful book. So go check it out is the Fancy Black Book 2019. It's over on Amazon. So check that out. And as I said, there's a terrific guest today. I'm going to talk a lot of fantasy football and a lot of fantasy football from similar to the Black Book, the strategic mind of things and not getting hung up in cliches or reports or off-season news. And let's get to today's guest, one of my favorite in the business, hopefully one of yours. I'd be surprised if you're not already following him, and it's at Harris Football. It is Chris Harris. And Chris, you do more than just football, so I want to make sure for all those that might already know who you are and already know about your wealth of knowledge that you do other things as well that could entertain them. I do. I guess I do entertain. Hmm, that's a hi, Jake. It's nice to be hi. here. Thanks for having hi. me on. Yeah, always. Um, I guess you're talking about books. I'm writing a new book. I'm not done with it yet. I had a book. I had a novel. I write novels sometimes. Like one came out. Uh, Tulsa came out in the fall in right. September. It's about the apocalypse. People liked it. People people liked it. I'm. You haven't read your copy yet, though. No, I haven't because that is summer reading, and right. we are well, just in the the cusp of summer reading starting. Fair. Uh, yeah, so I'm writing a new, a new book. I'm, you know what I'm mostly writing right now is the damn almanac. It's killing me. <laughs> I'm on is... RB50. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Did you start with running backs or is that you're finishing with running backs? Um, it's in the middle. I do quarterbacks first. So all the quarterbacks are written. Uh, I do 80 running backs, 80 wide receivers, and then however many tight ends I can do without throwing up. And uh, I'm on RB. <laughs> right now, RB50 for me is Ronald Jones. So I'm on... Ooh, uh, you, you've really worked your way down when you're at Ronald Jones. But yeah, this almanac thing that I write, I guess I should mention what that is. Uh, yeah. W- when I was at ESPN, I used to write there the print magazine that we used to buy on the newsstands. I used to write all the player profiles there. What's a and, newsstand? Uh, I know. I don't think that magazine exists anymore. If it does, I apologize. Um, but I did it for years. And then when I left, this is the, so here's the story of how I have an almanac. When I left ESPN, I did a year of, um, of podcasting and then like winter of 2016 people were like hey are you gonna do a, a player profile guide because they knew that i wrote the the espn one and i was like oh it's an awful lot of work what if i sell 10 you know it's two months of work what if i sell 10 copies it would be such a bummer right. and somebody said why don't you do a kickstarter so mm. it was pretty smart i wouldn't have thought of it myself and basically so i used kickstarter as sort of a pre-order and if we got to a certain level of sales then it would justify the effort necessary so i was like all right i, I laid it out to people said Go go spend like pre-order kind of on Kickstarter, right? And does Kickstarter even exist anymore? Yeah, it I does. Mean, yeah, okay. actually, I have a, I have a buddy who started his comic book that way. There you go. I, so it was a great. It was really great for me, and I fortunately was lucky enough. Like people were enthused. I, I reached the amount like in three days. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm writing this thing. So every summer since, I've been writing this thing that's delivered to people on August first. It's a PDF. It's a preview. Of every player, it's snarky. It's got like jokes about everybody, and then also <laughs> film grades, uh, like 
so for running backs, like I'll give us A to F grade on speed, elusiveness, power, receiving, because I'm sitting around all summer watching film on these guys rewatching. So, uh, so yeah, HarrisFootball.com if you want to find out about that. Thing. Yeah, well, well, two things. One is it's a terrific read. I've read it myself. Uh, two is, <laughs> come on, Chris, you know you can't give out Fs anymore. Like this school, it's, you can only get an E. You can't have nobody left behind. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'm trying to think of what Fs I might have actually done. I think wait let me I'm I'm opening the document and scrolling to it right now. <laughs> Try to find it. I got to find an F. I think I know one. I'm going to look in one place. Nope, I didn't. I thought maybe for elusiveness I would have given Derrick Henry an F, but nope. No big running back left behind. I gave him a D for elusiveness. Okay. But did you put in parentheses in his mind he thinks he has an A? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into those kind of things. And before sure. we get into specific players, uh, you are often talking about like how people overthink a lot of times and they fall into traps of like thinking like you know, you, cut, you hear all these cliche words and sayings, especially in the offseason. And all far too often, that's how people lose themselves or lose in leagues because of. So I want to get right into the first one is this is the peak time where right now we are in peak coach speak best shape Ugh. ever teammates talking each other up speaking of ronald jones what if anything matters to you at this point in the offseason or is it absolutely nothing absolutely nothing uh, your best just not listening definitely listen to jake's podcast but don't, <laughs> i don't i don't even right now i'm not even doing a podcast so people know that i have a show that uh in july it'll be twice a week starting august 1st it'll be five times a week to the end of the year you're a regular guest on that show and we you know we got a lot to talk about then but Right now, it's tough, man. I mean, other than what we're doing right now, sort of meta conversations right. about why you should not be paying attention to the news, uh, you know, there is, yeah, people who are, who are, I know you don't do this, so I feel confident coming on your show and saying this, but people, people who are obsessing over, you know, th- the, the fact that, Dan, you know, Daniel Jones was terrible in practice yesterday and therefore it's going to be a bad fantasy quarter. Like, I can't, I can't even with this stuff. Like, just don't. Just take some time off from the day to day. This is a great time to do what you and I are going to do through the most of our conversation here, which is reassess what we saw, what we actually saw with our own eyes. And don't worry so much about situation. We, we're not going to know what the depth chart looks like for two months, you know, it's right. two, two plus months. So just don't obsess over it. Don't obsess over Todd Gurley's knee. Don't obsess over all the things that were just, it would be lovely to get the truth, but we're just not going to get the truth. Right. So well, let, in continuing with that then, and you're talking about the depth charts, one of the things that coincides with that is coaching changes. And you'll see, and there's articles out there, we'll see them all the time. It's like, well, this coach has been running the ball mm-hmm. 53% of the time for his entire career. This team ran it 60% this year. That means blankety blank, blank, blank. And, mm-hmm. you know, too often I, I, I'm going to set up my opinion not knowing where you're coming from and I don't want to put any words in your mouth but it's like so I look at that a lot of times I'm like well you know he's also coming from a team with different coaches and a different roster and different talents and different schemes and different quarterbacks and and I go down the line I think at least in my opinion there is some value a small like I would say if I put it on a scale of one to ten I'd probably say it's like a three like I'm going to grab some value if it is a run first offense that just wants to slam the ball down the throats blah quote um, you, you like how I'm throwing all these cliches out of the possible <laughs> is to do all that and say you know we're going from an offense that used to be 70% of the time three wide to now they're going to be running the 11 they're going to be running you know two tight end sets of blah 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 Okay, let's look at that. But when we're talking about just, oh, it's going to be a 5% increase in running the ball. Well, again, he was with different talent before. So where do you go with that with coaching changes? Because there were a significant amount of movement this offseason. I tend not to worry too much about it because it's mostly uncapturable until we go after the fact. And look, like if it's a 7% increase in something, how many snaps is that, Jake? How many snaps is a 7% increase? Is it 30 <laughs> extra runs over the course of a season? So that's two extra runs per game? Don't like, you use math. That, <laughs> right? Like, in in the end, it, uh, uh, our mutual friend JJ Zacharyson, tweet, uh, we were having a conversation about situation, laughing at how much people overreact to situations in freaking May and June. And he was like, yeah, what about all those people who say Kyle Shanahan only focuses on his number one receivers? Gee, you mean because he had DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones? <laughs> you know, like, I would focus on them too. Um, so, I, you know, it's worth, 
I mean, this whole thing about Brian Schottenheimer coming out and confirming to the press, because as you know, most playbooks are developed in the press, uh, right. that he that he's not going to shy away from the run. That what does that mean? That is the these guys these these guys are pol- I say this all the time. These guys are politicians. We have we have politicians who talk more and more like sports trash talkers, and we have sports tr- sports management people who talk more and more like politicians. Brian Schottenheimer's he's answering some vague question about what's your offensive philosophy going to be with like, I'm not going to shy away from the run, which means absolutely nothing. And then people turn around and decide that means there's a hundred million carries available for Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. And what is run focused even mean in today's NFL? If you're 50, 50, you're unbelievably run focused. Right. <laughs> like in the end, so much gets made of so little. And, I hate to say it, but a lot of it is very cynical. A lot of it is we have to justify in these, you know, big media companies, we have to justify why we have year-round jobs when there's really nothing to say for three months of that year. So we turn into, we to, you know, there are a lot of people with a lot of demand. They're bored at work. They just want to read stuff. So they just kind of pretend there's things to talk about. Hey, I'm not going to not talk about not things that don't, doesn't actually apply. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. So, all right. Let me ask you this kind of a, another broad question. And... Sure. And I have a feeling you're going to say none of them, but maybe, maybe, maybe there's one that means a little bit to you. So I'm going to throw out the three biggest cliches because it's yearly. They're the yearly cliches. It's the rookies come in, especially as running backs and have a potential high ceiling. It's the second year post-hype sleepers, the ones that bombed last year that, hey, don't forget, there was a reason everybody got excited about them. Or there's the quote unquote third year breakout that was supposed to be a thing for a very long time. Like, do you put any like even a one out of ten into any of those three things i don't but i'll say there are always going to be cases where that player themselves is worth being excited a a rookie who we really like who we're just excited about and therefore we think they yeah man i mean compared to the dudes that he's on a team with i kind of think i might like his skills as much if not more than this other guy on on that roster Absolutely. Are there players who I thought were going to be good last year? And then, and I, I still kind of, there's no reason to, you know, to completely disavow the stuff that I said last year about them. Cause I like their ability that therefore I go, Hmm, yeah, maybe I kind of like that guy more than most people do. It's, it's just, people are uncomfortable with this notion of doing the work of doing the case by case analysis. They'd rather just go, here's a list of 13, uh, second year players who disappointed last year. And therefore in this group, I, I bet we should just like them all because sometimes <laughs> players who are, you know, in year two do well and know what the NFL takes, yada, yada, yada. 50% I mean, of them should hit. <laughs> <laughs> there's only two chances, right? It's only two choices. It's either going to hit or not. So 50-50. Um, but like Royce Freeman, I'm sorry, I just didn't like Royce Freeman last year. There's no reason I'm going to like Royce Freeman this year. Rashad Penny, I liked a little more last year, but I'm probably not going to love because I didn't like him as much as other people. I just didn't see that I love the ability last year. So given given how I felt about them going into their rookie years last year, you might expect <clears throat> by that logic, I would treat them as the same next year. In fact, what I'm doing is looking at their film and watching. I just watched Royce Freeman for the Almanac yesterday, and I maintain that I just think he's kind of, I think he's C.J. Anderson. If you swapped out the numbers, uh, old, old non-fat CJ Anderson. Like if you swapped out the the the, the twenty-two for twenty-eight, fat CJ Anderson was pretty good. <laughs> uh, he was good for three games, right? Um, uh, so like I I I didn't. I remember the year CJ Anderson. I don't remember maybe twenty sixteen when he was a number seven overall pick. Uh, are you trying? Are you trying to like throw shade at me? Is that what you're trying and, to do? I don't know if it was, but like I had him at fifty-four. <laughs> I went back and looked. I had him at number fifty-four. Just didn't think he was good, and. Uh, and I feel the same way about Freeman. I think he's okay, but I just don't. And then on the contrary, Rashad Penny, I go back and watch the film and I go, okay, you know what? I actually think maybe I was wrong ability wise, a little too hard on him. I'm not really a college scout. And so I didn't really know what I was looking at. And I think there's something there that was okay. I'm not going to rate him as high as Chris Carson, but I'm going to rate him higher than, than, uh, Freeman. And not not because of situation, not because of what coaches are saying, but because I go back and watch him play, and I go, hmm, I I actually think there's more there than I was giving him credit for, and so if I were just adhering to one of the rules that you were talking about, well, I, you just I would draft be both of them, <laughs> right, or neither, right? You'd you'd yeah. either do both or neither, and in fact, I'm gonna 
probably just draft Penny. All right. Well, let's stick with those real quick because both of them were, uh, were on a list of running backs that I want to talk about, and that's what sure. your focus is. So we'll continue. Penny, I think we covered pretty well there, and everybody knows I'm a Penny fan, so I will own plenty of him, again, for what you're saying, for the talent, and it's not anything to do with Schottenheimer said. It's not anything to do with... I did it because I wanted to ask some questions at the Combine because I've never been at the Combine, and I asked Pete Carroll, you know, look, he gave me a coach answer. I don't know if you saw it, Chris, but I asked him. I said, look, you spent a first round of Rashad Penny. Obviously, it was a disappointing season. What are you looking for for this year? You'll never guess what he gave me. Coach speak. Ah, there's a <laughs> there's a role PD for... PD Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. I call him I call him PD Sunshine. There's a role for both, Chris. He loves the talent of both, and he can see both having value all season long. I, I, does that surprise you at all? Does that mean? <laughs> so. I have Carson 24. I have Penny 31 among running backs. So I wouldn't say I love, love, love either one. No, but, but I think it's a very I, fair set. Like, yeah. With your thought of having that there, is it the concern of pretty much taking the coach speak out of it is the fact that nobody's going to be the go-to guy every single game? Which is the case with about 24 NFL teams. So we <laughs> right. sort of just live in that world, right? And I, I actually say... Like, I think Penny is probably a better athletic prospect with more, you know, for his size, 220 pounds or whatever, kind of very good lateral quickness for a 220 pound player and a little bit of north-south burst that is pretty good and like not what you'd expect, right? I feel like when I watch Rashad Penny cutting, it's not like watching LaShawn McCoy cutting, but it is, it's, it's like watching a smaller, good, shifty back where he doesn't decelerate into cuts Mm -hmm. uh, the way like when Chris Carson cuts, he has to pitter patter his feet or else he just has to kind of stop. And that's just kind of, that's, that's what his game is. He's much more than North South. I mean, Chris Carson's a badass. He's courageous. He's, he's an upright. He's also bigger, but he's an upright dude who kind of just goes North South and runs into stuff. And that's a hard way to make a living. If I were starting a team, knowing what I think about them right now, I'd probably pick Penny, but Carson is kind of, He's going to be there for as long as he stays healthy, taking shots because he's really good at it and he's got really good balance and he stays on his feet. And I would use him as a as a sort of that thunder hammer kind of player uh, as well. So, yeah, I, it, the bottom line is they're both pretty good players. And, yeah, because most teams split their backfields, that's another one. Okay, so going back to Freeman, let me turn the question a little bit. And we have Philip Lindsay, but he's coming off a major injury in surgery. So... Assume wrist. It's his wrist. It is, but there. I mean, there's talking about the fact that I mean, handling the ball. Like there, I I, at least what I read, and maybe that's just the off season. I'm reading too much. Like just so. Let me just paint a scenario and just put it this way. Let's say I'll I'll throw that out. Let me let me do a different scenario for then. How about this? Because the batting mass index with players like him does. It's not. Yeah. Okay. So there is the increased. Let's say he's out. Royce Freeman. Being able to lead that backfield, like is Royce Freeman even on your radar? If he's still, because I know that where you had him in your rankings, he's not going to be on your teams because somebody's going to take him before you do. But mm-hmm. he's lingering in the eleventh round. Are you like, well, if Lindsey goes down, I have an RB two, or you don't even think that situation because of Freeman himself lends himself to RB two numbers? What's an RB two these days? I guess you know. <laughs> right. He 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 would belong in the conversation with a with about thirty other people in any given week. Where yeah, he might turn out to be an RB two because if he gets some workload and he's a big guy and could score a touchdown, I could it could work out for me. C.J. Anderson had a ten touchdown season in Denver, and that's the the year after is the one where people fell for him. And his last year in Denver, it was bad, but he had a thousand yard rushing season. So there's no question that that situations matter. Of course they do. We're just not very good at establishing what they are until we've seen them happen. Right. Um, so I have Royce Freeman at 48 among running backs, which I guess is lower than the market. And so you're right. I'm not going to have him, to, you know, a- as a handcuff. If there's a, if that's such a thing, if there really is such a thing anymore, <laughs> if I own Lindsay, sure, I would elevate Freeman some in in this scenario that you're painting where where Lindsay gets hurt. Freeman obviously is better than the fort than RB 48. And and honestly, I'm not that I'm low on Lindsay compared to most of the people. When I understand when I put up my ranks out, yeah, you know, I don't really look at ADP this time of year because I don't want to get swayed by the market. But I have Lindsay at 23, because for exactly the reason that you say, smaller guy. It's not so much the wrist; it's just that's a hard freaking road to hoe at that size. He's five eight one ninety. That is a to have you know fifteen to twenty car crashes a week at five eight one ninety. 
you're tempting fate. And he is incredibly fast and incredibly quick, elusive player. I gave him a D in power, by the way, because there's not any power there. Um, I, so I have concerns about Lindsay. If there's if Lindsay's completely out of the picture, I'm going to say Freeman probably doesn't get up to 23, but he'd be in the conversation to say, okay, I mean, then to stupid Devontae Booker, to somebody else. You know, yeah. I don't think they hand the job over to Royce Freeman and say, congratulations, kid. Here's 20 touches a game. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, I'm definitely with you on that one. So let's go. Another name you already mentioned so far is Ronald Jones. And mm-hmm. this is, oh, God, you want to talk about the offseason speak of speak is, you know, everybody's talking this kid up from Jameis Winston to Eric. Everybody's got something good to say about Ronald Jones. So... We obviously don't care about that. Nope. The What I care about from you is I want to know what your opinion was on Ronald Jones last year and what your opinion is on Ronald Jones being able to make an impact this year tied into is, Pe- is Peyton Barber a threat if Ronald Jones has any talent in this backfield? I mean, Peyton Barber should be a backup in the NFL. Right. He's he's a he, he's another one where it's it's kind of sucks to come on your show and talk bad about Peyton Barber cuz that dude is courageous. Like he's not a particularly he's a fullback almost. Right? He's a 230 pound com- completely unidirectional like doesn't catch it well at all. Just a banger, like just just a pure power back. Um I think I had a thing in, about Peyton Barber. Let's see. I'm looking at the profile that I just wrote. This is a pr- sneak preview for people on the Jake Seely show. Uh <laughs> So in in 2018, Peyton Barber had a top 10 rushing workload. He also had a top 10 snap count among running backs. And the only player who's a fair comparison for him athletically on either of those two lists is 49ers fullback Kyle Juszczyk. Like, he's just not... It's like one of these things doesn't look like any of the others. Right? And Mm -hmm. uh, so a a moderately talented, a moderately uh, competent Ronald Jones should run circles around Peyton Barber. And, cu- and you asked the question, what did I think of Jones last year? I thought he was good. I kind of liked him at USC. I, I, I think I might have given him a Jamal Charles comp. Like, I thought he was very shifty at a non-trivial size. Like, he's whatever he is, like, you know, 5'10". What is he? Five, it might be 6 feet, 6 feet, 215 or whatever. Like, he's, he's Jamal Charles sized with some legitimate acceleration with, it looked like, some pretty good lateral quickness. I liked him. The fact that he didn't play at all last year strikes me that that's not about him not being good with the football in his hands. That strikes me about not knowing how to block, not knowing where to go. That's that strikes me that just like couldn't learn the playbook. That right. there's stuff going on there that is not is stuff that we're not we're not gonna see and we're never really gonna get the truth about because the team doesn't have any incentive to tell us. No, and it, they don't. It, it became very clear even in training camp that it was like something's wrong. And so my opinion of Jones is like, if he would ever pull it together, he should go, he should run circles around Peyton Barber and be okay. But man, I would be really afraid to draft him under that supposition. And I certainly wouldn't be paying attention to his teammates who were buffing him up. Yeah. And and my bigger concern to what you just said was the pass blocking. And we took, it took a couple seasons for Aaron Jones to really become adept. Not, I don't even say good. I would just say adept quality pass blocking running back and knowing Bruce Arians that, that just worries me a little bit Uh, real quick to stick on the Buccaneers. You're, I want to ask the question and I want to throw out my opinion first, but I don't want it. Well, I'm gonna, you tell this, me your opinion. It's fine. No, 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 no. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to come back okay. with mine after the word. The right. Bruce Anderson undrafted free agent by the Buccaneers. What does that mean mm. to you? That's how I'm going to ask the question. What does that mean to you? Uh, it's so I know um, Matt. I think it's is it Matt Waldman who came on my show and said he really liked Bruce Anderson. I think so. Um, and that and that. Uh, makes me interested because Matt is very, very smart. Much, much, much smarter than I am about rookies because I, I try my best, but I kind of feel like I don't know what I'm looking at. And what is he, North Dakota State? Is that my right about that? Yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at when I watch North Dakota State film. It seems like it's, I always say it's Bruce Anderson running against the future dry cleaners of America. Like, I just don't, I don't, I, future <laughs> gym teachers of America. Like, I don't know uh, what I'm even seeing. So I'll take Matt's word for it that, he had some potential. Obviously, he goes undrafted, though. I there don't. I don't. I don't think it means anything. I think probably it's it's interesting. Keep an eye. 
if a, if a talent evaluator like Matt, and again, I hope I'm not putting words in Matt's mouth. I think it was him who came on my show. Well, people can always go buy his book. Do, do. I mean, this year's book is, is still even useful. It's the draft's already happened, and I, I look at it all the time. It's fantastic. It's a bazillion um, pages. Yeah, Matt Waldman. Matt Waldman. W A L D M A N. People should be following Matt Waldman. He's amazing. He comes on my show pretty regularly. But um, you know, it means something to me that Matt liked him, but it doesn't mean that much to me for fantasy. Like, I'm not going to reevaluate the way I feel about anybody right. who's already on that roster because of of an undrafted free agent, and also. When, when and if Bruce Anderson ever becomes a thing and people decide to say, see, that means running backs don't matter, I will go, <laughs> oh, okay, except for a really, really respected evaluator of college talent thought he was maybe the second or third best running back in the in the draft, so maybe shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have him as high as Waldman, but I mean, to your point, I go down the whole road of, this is what I do, like for you, I'm assuming when you like start watching film is, hey, you know, if I'm watching this guy and it's like, hey, I kind of like him, and then he goes in the seventh round or undrafted, it's like, you know, all right, I missed something. Let me go back and double check because there's 32 teams who don't agree with me. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's how I look at it. And with the Bruce Anderson thing is like, again, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not saying Matt Waldman's wrong and maybe 32 teams are wrong and Bruce Anderson should have been drafted in the fourth round and he's going to be the best running back. But I, I what I was going to say and why I didn't want to say all this before the question because I just wanted to get your uncolored opinion, in which you 99% of the time give anyway, is the fact that it's an undrafted free agent. I know running backs hit more than other positions, but it's still an undrafted free agent and the hit rate in undrafted free agents. Like, let's be real here. I think their first opportunity and first turn and first hope is Ronald Jones. And that's where I was going with that whole right. story. Of, of, yeah, and of course. And it, so people people can file the name. People can file lots of depth chart names away. It's a good idea. I'll do a, every year do a super deep sleeper uh, in late August podcast where I go, I mean, last year, Philip Lindsay was on it. Edo Smith was on it. A few other mostly was terrible and didn't hit names at all. But like, it's fine to file away that these guys are there, but obviously they need carnage in front of them. Obviously they need the failure in front of them, especially as rookies. You, you know, the, the, it isn't going to be the default position to say, all right, how do we work Bruce Anderson into the game plan, <laughs> right? It's going to be more, okay, other stuff isn't working. Cool, we have this other guy who we think might be good. Yeah, I had somebody on Twitter throw Chris Warren out at me. I was like, so the fourth running back at best on the Raiders depth chart is what you're throwing at you. That's, that's what after spending the draft capital on Josh Jacobs, that's what you're telling me. That's what we're talking about Chris Warren here. So let's, let's one more running back. Carry on Johnson because he's yeah. in this whole news. And it's like, look how amazing he was. Look at the opportunity he has this year. Those Lions are a whole new offense of running the ball more than they were when Stafford was a top 10 fantasy quarterback and one of the top five passers in the league in attempts and blah, 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 blah. I'm sure you've been seeing all the same things I have running through Twitter every single day. Where are you on Carry on Johnson as the player without the noise? I like him. I like Kerryon Johnson's ability. Much I didn't really love him so much coming out of Auburn. I kind of so my caveat with Kerryon Johnson is the fact that he got hurt is the one thing I kind of got right about his prospects when I was talking about him at this time last year, because he's uh, an upright runner. He's not huge, and he's not so he he sort of to me at Auburn ran like a power back, ran like a thumper. You know, yeah, you weren't really I seeing tons of. See that. It, evasive maneuvers with Kerryon Johnson, it was much more like I'm just bigger and stronger than you in college, even in the SEC, and I'm gonna get make my bones that way. And that last year that he had for that Auburn team he was he was a man. He was a baller on that last Auburn team. But that's a tough way to make a living when they start getting bigger, faster, stronger in the NFL, the defenders in the NFL. And my comparison for him, I think I'm right about this, was Ahmad Bradshaw. Okay. Because Ahmad Bradshaw, we all liked, really good player, but he just, he ran upright and he took a lot of hits at a not huge size. I wouldn't say that either Bradshaw or Kerryon Johnson venture into Philip Lindsay territory where you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I I just don't think he could ever handle a full-time workload, but they do tend to take more hits. And I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw, we just kept thinking, remember he went to the Colts and there was a year after year where we were like, Come on, dude. You're still only 26. <laughs> you can happen. do this. It's gonna... <laughs> yeah, you're, you're only 27. And he just couldn't get healthy because in the end, and again, I'm, I'm not saying this is Carrion Johnson's fate. I'm saying their styles are evocative of one another to me. So him They're... getting hurt did, 
Go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say no. I was gonna say they, they're what I call skiers. Like if you ever seen somebody ski down a mountain, and it looks like their their legs barely move because they run so upright and they're just kind of like move. Like you know what that's I'm saying? Great. They're like they sway back and forth. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's that's a perfect metaphor. I hadn't thought of it that way. That's amazing. That's exactly right. That's exactly what they are. That all that said, I really liked Ahmad Bradshaw when he was healthy, and I really like Carryon Johnson when he's healthy. I have him 15 right now in standard leagues, um, not because of you know run pass mix again what does a run heavy team look like in the nfl right now it's 50 percent. The, the workloads just aren't like matt stafford's workload last year wasn't all that different from previous matt's he just didn't throw touchdowns right that's why matt stafford right. had a terrible year um fantasy wise but uh so i mean i'm not gonna say johnson is like the smoothest runner ever there are moments where i'm like dude did you just dislocate your hip when you were cutting <laughs> Like there, he is. He makes some some weird cuts that aren't from the knee down, but rather from the knee up. Where I'm like, oh god, did he just break? But he catches it well. He's got more acceleration than I thought he had. He has more change of direction than I thought he had. Like, I mean, the change of direction is actually kind of stunning. I I I just rewatched this film like a week and a half ago, and I was like, I kind of didn't remember. Like that guy can really make people miss. And I did not give him credit for that at all. So anyway, the bottom line is I don't worry about C.J. Anderson being there. I don't worry about mix or anything. I, I like the player. I think he's probably a little bit of a, an above average injury risk. Okay. So let's circle to quarterbacks, something that you've already completed. And yes. All my I'll, opinions are set in stone. You can't change my mind. Awesome. That's uh, that's terrific. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Not, not true. Let's talk all the second-year quarterbacks, and that's what we'll okay. probably won't even get to the wide receivers today. But that you know, I overstuffed because I, I just know how much good stuff we could get out of you. So a yammer. Speaking of yammer good up. stuff, Baker Mayfield is yeah. is is anybody's balloon bigger right now? Really? <laughs> I mean. There are people talking about, and I'm just, here's how I'm going to set up the question. This is, I'm just going to ask you something I've seen on Twitter, and I asked this from the fantasy community, so I understand it's different, but this is how I'm going to set up the question before you go into Baker, and Baker Mayfield's your opinion. This is what it is. Baker Mayfield, in fantasy, drafted before Deshaun Watson. Crazy. No. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, and I was down on Deshaun Watson last year, and... I feel like in the end, it, I mean, Watson finished, what, QB4 or something, but it was a terrible ride, right? He was awful for the first half of the year. So I feel like it was kind of a good call. So I ha I think I have a, a history of being clear-eyed about Deshaun Watson, and no, Baker Mayfield should not be drafted <laughs> ahead of Deshaun Watson. How confident are you in... Well, actually, where do you ha where did you have Baker Mayfield? This will be the only one out of the quarterbacks I ask you ex exactly where you have him. How about that? I can, you can ask me any of them. I mean, it's all fluid, but and, and, and it, actually what I'm going to say isn't going to match the HarrisFootball.com website because I'm writing the almanac i'm not updating the ranks i will at some point publicly update the ranks but by the freaking almanac um i have him eight i have baker mayfield eight okay. on quarterbacks so respectable but it sounds like i'm not going to get him based on what you're saying and and how do you feel so for the second year with the uh, well you know what i'll give you the lazy explanation and you tell me how you're feeling about it so he has odell beckham now and david njoku is healthy and mm -hmm. nick chubb and blah like this offense is hunt I don't know if you know this, Chris. This offense is going to score 45 points a game. <laughs> so the the bottom line is, okay, I watched a lot of film, and I really like him. I mean, the thing everybody says about Mayfield is throwing accuracy. Right. And, and enough, you know, not elite arm strength, but enough arm strength to do what you need him to do, you know, 90% of the throws he needs to make, which is puts him above average in the NFL and the accuracy is legitimately really good. Difficult throws that just get there to the right spot where players can actually make plays on them, right? Just exactly what you want accuracy wise. There are definite vision problems. There's definite moments where he gets fooled. I talked about in the almanac, I'll talk about in week 13 against the Texans fooled by a zone pick six fooled by a zone again, intercepted. And then they're, they're losing 20 to nothing against the Texans in week 13 he throws deep against triple coverage, uh, easy interception, all in the first... Like, this is going to happen. He's still a young player. He maybe gets better, but, like, I don't think quarterbacks typically completely figure it out by year two. I mean, Pat Mahomes is, is the exception that almost proves the rule because I went back... I mean, you look at Pat Mahomes and so much of what he does is ridiculous athletically, just stuff that defenses don't think he can do, but he makes tons of mistakes and he misses tons of open receivers. Imagine if Pat Mahomes, if and when three years from now, he's not, he, he, everything slows down and he knows where he's going with the ball. Oh my God. He could 
throw 800 touchdowns. He's not, probably not. <laughs> one season. Um, right, and that's what I mean. So so Mayfield is going to have moments. It's going to be mostly good, which is why he's, for me, a top 10 fantasy quarterback, but he's going to have moments and he's going to have weeks where he'll you'll be like, ugh, I got three interceptions, he got me nine points. You know, it's just, it's going to happen maybe, you know, in a way that I don't think it will for, for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. So let's... All right, where do you have, where do you have Mayfield? Mayfield, I actually have him at six, so I'm a little bit okay. ahead of you. Um, That's fine. It's completely arguable. Here's the thing. Also, I, I, I go, uh, you know, I don't even know who one should be. I have Mahomes <laughs> one, but he's not going to throw 50 touchdowns again. No. He's it, not. It's not uh, how it works. I think ever since that situation popped up and he shall not be named <laughs> as not likely to play this season, right. I, he, it went from Mahomes being definitive number one, let's talk about everybody else, to now I think there's a legitimate argument between – him, Luck, uh, Watson, Rogers, yeah, sure. all four of them. Right, and I go, and I go like, okay, you know, Wilson was QB nine last year, but I, I absolutely can. He was QB one like two years ago, three right. years ago. Like he, he absolutely is in the conversation. Drew, we haven't even talked about Drew Brees. I know people like think Tom Brady stinks, but I can assure you he doesn't. Well, and uh, don't don't forget who is right behind Patrick Mahomes if you take out the. And I never do. You know this. I I never do the take out or take in or like whatever. But health matters to me. You take out the three non healthy games for uh, Cam Newton. He was right behind Patrick Mahomes. Not that I believe Cam Newton's staying healthy for sixteen games at this point in his career. Uh, the but, larger the larger point here would be, my God, in a single quarterback league, why would you ever take a quarterback early? There's right. just so many, just so it's, many. It, options. It's so flat that to the point, of like you're like, let's say Baker Mayfield five, you have him eight, somebody has him at ten. Like there's, one, there's off, no argument to be had. That's right, right, one game, and with how flat is it going to skew him from quarterback four to quarterback ten? Like that's of just course. absolutely. Uh, By the way, I just need to, I need a, uh, this just in an update. I did find an F. I gave Tom Brady an F for running. Oh. Woo! Are, are you sure? Have you seen his beach track <laughs> pictures that he's doing? <laughs> I haven't. You're gonna you're gonna find this shocking, but I haven't. <laughs> oh, Tom Brady, I love it though. That's so. I I think by the time he hits 57, he might get like a thousand rushing, or was it 1500 rushing yards <laughs> or something? The pace yeah. he's on. Uh, like, yeah. Hey, nice. Thank you for the transition of staying now within that division because let's talk about the other maybe, possibly soon to be best quarterback in that division because Josh Allen. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about Josh? I was, <laughs> no, I was kidding. I was kidding. I know. Sam Darnold, and mm-hmm. I love this because the biggest proponents for all the I'm just going to give you all anybody who ever positively wants to talk about Sam Darnold is look at that last month. Look at that last month. Look at that mm-hmm. last month. Well, and I know you can throw out reasons for anything and say, you know, well, beginning of the season and then not healthy and then whatever, blah, blah, blah. Still, we do have to take into account more than his last month, right? We do. I mean, I thought he, I, so. Again, I've watched the film again on, and I picked a few games early and a few games late for Darnold. And he did. He started looking calmer in the pocket when he found his read. You know, he was able to just sort of pl- plan his back foot and go and do it like in a way that he hadn't done early. I mean, early in the year he was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And I guess people who want to tell themselves the story that Sam Darnold is on his way to being a great player say, "Well, don't young players get better? So shouldn't we weigh, you know, the games that he, where he had." more time under he was comfortable as hell in high in college still making turnovers (laughs) that's this is a good point and i think this is going to be the problem is do do can you teach accuracy can you teach like i i think they have something in darnold for Mm -hmm. sure i mean he's got a a really big arm he's kind of an underrated running athlete like pretty good athlete but can you teach accuracy can you can you teach how to throw the ball in a spot like i said before that mayfield does that makes a receiver comfortable, that he's not going to get crushed, that he doesn't have to break stride. You didn't see a lot, a lot of that from Sam Darnold. I'm going to argue you probably didn't really even see that much of it in December, even though the numbers look better. And it's an open question. It You you put it so well that, you know, he, he sure was comfortable throwing interceptions at USC, and <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure that abates so much in, in the NFL. Yeah, and that's certainly fair. So <laughs> you brought him up. He was going to Josh be next Allen. anyway. Yeah, let's let's talk about Josh. Just from, you know, look, I think there's a clear understanding of what Josh Allen brings to the table. I don't know if you and I had mentioned it, but my biggest breakdown for Josh Allen, or the thing that I always pointed back to is, you want the best description I can give Josh Allen, is when you hear people throwing it through a window, 
I say he can throw it through the peephole of a door, but he can't hit the damn door. That's how I describe Josh Allen. So I, I describe him as the nuke Lelouch of NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> that's hey, look, everything out there we know of Josh Bull Allen Durham. is true. Yes. It's, it's for people that did thank you for I was gonna say I just went with assuming everybody knows Bull Durham at this point <laughs> in their lives. But in case you don't, there's a lot of younger people that maybe just never went back and watched it. So Let's talk about him for fantasy purposes. Yeah. Does the rushing ability just kind of offset any of the, like, we just don't, you know what? That's fine, Josh Allen. You go be Josh Allen because the rush, the rushing is going to offset you. In a two-quarterback league, yes. I think he's a wonderful, if it's a super flex league, he's a wonderful pick. He's, he might go too early, frankly, because people will view it as the, you know, this potential, you know, I've got my rock steady guy, my top 12, top 15 quarterback. Uh, who is just going to be one of the crowd and be good, you know, pretty good every week just because teams throw so much. And then I get to throw in Josh Allen as the second guy. Sure, are there going to be some weeks where he throws four picks and doesn't, you know, throws for 112 yards and doesn't run? I'll, I'll hopefully be able to withstand those for the times when he runs for three touchdowns and gives me 40 points. Uh, tough for me to ever justify him anywhere close to being my guy in a, in a one-quarterback league because... There's just so many other more reliable options that are gonna that that are gonna give you 80% of his best week, and 300% of his worst week, and his worst weeks are probably gonna come fast and furious. Like you talk about accuracy problems, talk about things that can't be taught. I mean, I don't think he sees anything on the field yet, and when he tries to throw it to the guy, the guy is we'll see. Like the guy is has no no idea whether it's gonna get to him. He's he's got the maybe the biggest arm in the league, but yeah. Doesn't know where it's going. <laughs> Has no idea. All right, speaking of accuracy, so let's continue with that. A nice little transition into Lamar Jackson. Now, I even saw you tweeting about Lamar Jackson, and there's a lot of ways you can kind of open up the, the the story of what you feel about Lamar Jackson because you can just talk about him and his accuracy issues. You could talk about the fact that the Ravens have specifically focused on the passing game, which if you look at the weapons that Lamar Jackson had last year and you want to make those kind of excuses, you can certainly that. You can also make the excuse that, hey, Lamar Jackson was thrown into an offense middle of the season that they didn't customize to him at all. So how are you looking at Lamar Jackson and how are you looking at him for his ability to transition to a better passer and including the weapons that they have now given him? I don't think it's going to go well this year. Um, they did change the offense. I mean, they, they couldn't run the Joe Flacco playbook anymore. And they, so they, I would say the, the fly, passing side of it. Yeah. They just didn't throw that. The, the solution was <laughs> let's not throw. Let's, <laughs> let's run a, let's run the wishbone basically, which wasn't technically the wishbone, but you know, percentage wise, I like, let's, Let's. We should obviously always stipulate that people are listening to this for the purposes of fantasy. There's a. There's usually my job is about ninety five percent overlap scouting, real NFL qualities as opposed to scouting fantasy qualities. It's like ninety five percent overlap. The one thing that doesn't that clearly doesn't get weighted the same amount is quarterbacks who run. So and you. This is I'm saying the very obvious, but. We wouldn't be talking about either Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson if they didn't run, because right. neither one of them has advanced enough uh, quarterbacking abilities. Do I think maybe Jackson has, you know, Jackson has a little smaller, a little bit smaller arm than Josh Allen, maybe a little bit better accuracy, maybe a little bit better vision, but bad, subpar for the NFL. At least what I saw last time, maybe he magically transforms in the offseason, but he didn't do it at Louisville either. So it's again, can you can you teach throwing accuracy? Can you teach? Uh, can, you know, you, you can teach vision, I guess, better than you can teach throwing accuracy. Um, and I will just, I had a fun stat for you, which is since the beginning of the millennium, uh, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen submitted the two quarterback seasons with the highest percentage of fantasy points derived from running. Hmm. There have been, since 2000, there have been two quarterbacks who've derived 50% or more of their fantasy points from running. Lamar Jackson last year, 62%. Josh Allen last year, 51%. Where did and, Robert Griffin check in? He's got to be close. Uh, 38%. He was wow. on the list. He's he's 10th. Wow. Thir 38%. Uh, Tim Tebow in 2011, 45%. Ah. Vince Young, 2006, 45%. Michael Vick, 2006, 42%. Cam Newton's on there. Vick's on there a couple more times. Colin Kaepernick has a season on there. And it is... So whatever. I mean, that's that's about touchdowns more than anything. If Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen run a lot, but just don't score touchdowns, they're f clearly not going to derive as many fantasy points. Like, that's obvious. <laughs> but, you know, Lamar Jackson, 
It's funny, I have Allen rated one spot ahead of Jackson, and they're both at the very nether regions of my top 20, because everything after them is like, maybe they're a little bit better throw, like Mitch Trubisky and Jameis Winston, who I just don't like, so I have Jameis Winston low, and Stafford and whatever, like, they're probably better quarterbacks throwing the ball, but they're not great, they're they're good, Stafford's probably better than good, but they're they're okay, but they just don't have that potential cheat code. So why bother in a single quarterback league? Why bother rostering Derek Carr when you can roster Lamar Jackson and may, and and hope that he turns into a thing and he's able to give you the running on top of the throwing, right? Exactly. If, if he doesn't give you the throwing, you drop him. What what do you do when you don't have any of that and you're Eli Manning? <laughs> you you get ready well i mean you don't listen to anything the giants say and you get ready that at some point in 2019 you're not playing anymore <laughs> well and let's get to the last quarterback and close out on that and there's one more play after this i forgot we wanted to bring up to close out the show uh josh rosen situation with the dolphins and i don't think uh, this what this has nothing to do with fantasy i just want your opinion on josh rosen because for fantasy purposes, nobody's drafting him. Even if the Dolphins a month from now said, all right, Josh Rosen is starting week one because we got to see what we got out of him. Great move by them as an organization. Kudos to the Dolphins because if he doesn't work out, pff, whatever. you trade. The, the Saints were dumb enough to trade back up and you basically offset that pick anyway. That's just a sidebar. Like I actually thought that was a very shrewd move because you might as well see what there is in Josh Rosen. But sure. the book is still out on Josh Rosen of... We're now, you know, it's funny. I think you see the same thing I do every single year, Chris. It's the, it's kind of like the Madden curse thing. It's the confirmation bias. It's like, well, you, know, you there was all those questions about Josh Rosen last year, and you know, like, okay, this time last year, everybody was like, Josh Rosen is the most NFL ready quarterback, and he's so good, and blah blah blah. What he's going to be able to do, he's going to be the easiest transition. And then a year later, it's like, yeah, we all saw this coming. Like, come on, we're. I know you're not going to change and people can go back because you have your book on, on evidence and everything. Where were you on Josh Rosen? Do you think there's any hope that he has an NFL career? Yeah, I definitely think there's hope. Uh, he was playing behind the worst offensive line in the league last year. And I don't think it's close. Everybody got hurt. They were, I think two of their regulars were off the street. They were delivering UPS packages. I made that part up, but the rest is real. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, he is impossible. It was an impossible situation, especially for a kid. Impossible. Um, I actually thought on the rare occasion when Josh Rosen had a second to gather himself and drop back and be in the pocket and find a receiver who was open and throw it, he was pretty accurate. And uh, you may have noticed that that, for me, is the leading concern that I have for rookie quarterbacks. Like, I think it's the one thing you can't teach them. You've been, you've been doing that thing all your life. You've been playing catch all your life. And if every time you play catch, when, you know, if the dude's moving, if your receiver is moving and you don't throw it to him, I don't know how that gets better when you, you know do the TB12 method. Like, I just don't know how that works. And so the fact that Rosen, I thought, had it gives me some degree of hope. Um, so, of course, you're right. Not a fantasy option, but yeah, I still think Rosen could have a career. He lands on a team that looks like it's the worst roster in the league. Who knows? We're not great at predicting that beforehand, so I'm not going <laughs> to draft anything based on that. We're kind of all assuming it. <laughs> it looks not so good. And also, they're... You know, all the crutch arguments, they're not contractually committed to him at all. They're not paying him any money. If, they, if they're if they landing on the Tua pick next year, they're going to take Tua. Like, that's not going to be a problem. So he still seems like he's not in the best situation possible for himself. And in the end, it, he just may have never, you know, may have gone for, to, to two teams that were just so not ready to win that he was ne he'll wind up not never having been given really a chance. And then, you know, seven years from now, he'll, he'll be the Case Keenum who mysteriously leads the Jaguars to an AFC championship game, right? Um, I, I still do give him hope for a career. I've seen the reports that say he's being outplayed by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh my God, people. <laughs> you know, if, if we're still doing this with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, I like, sure, he's going to be really good for two games, and then he's going to throw six interceptions the next game because he doesn't <laughs> care. If Fitzpatrick kind of looks like he's been on the C.J. Anderson workout plan so far, but yeah, who cares? It's quarterback. So I just, <laughs> it's just, I want to throw a funny jab in there. Uh, let's close out with this last one. And I, I, it's going to be a little different spin on the show that I normally do, Chris, because I, I want to present something to you. I don't know if I've ever done this on the show before. Apparently, we're going to have a eulogy because I don't know if you've heard, but Todd Gurley has died. I, like, Todd, <laughs> he, he's, he's officially dead in fantasy because people are even questioning whether he's even worth a second round pick right now. But the, the people are losing their damn minds, Chris. What are you doing with the Todd Gurley situation? 
I mean, I haven't, it, I haven't completely metabolized the, so I've left him at number at RB four at the moment. And so that's obviously way higher than people who are saying he's not a second round pick anymore. I, I, I want to talk about methodology when it comes to something like this, how the echo chamber allows us to believe one little report that the Rams are not going to tell you. The Rams are not going to tell some NFL beat reporter the truth at, in, in June. It's just not going to happen. That's They have no incentive to do that. And so then it, it multiplies into uh, various wire sources deciding that, uh-oh, Todd Gurley is not going to be a, a workhorse. Can you tell me what a workhorse back is anymore? Because as far as I know, there's like four of them, three of them, <laughs> six of them. There's not, a, you know, what does that mean exactly? He he had 1,200 rushing yards and didn't play in, in the, you know, what, the last two games and was limited in two before that. I don't need him to get 2,000 scrimmage yards for him to be a high-level RB1. I need the 21 touchdowns he got last year. And to, to me, just the notion that Todd Gurley was somehow a product of an offensive system and the product of a big workload is just the ultimate in stats chasing, stats humping. He's a really, really good player. If you told me that Todd Gurley uh, gets backed up by Daryl Henderson and it doesn't look like the Super Bowl because he's not hurt, but rather it's Todd Gurley in the Melvin Gordon role and Daryl Henderson in the Austin Eckler role, I rub my palms together and I say, cool, number four pick, Todd Gurley. Like, I'm cool with that. I This notion that we're going to let the echo chamber blow a story up into panic in June... Is now, could we work ourselves into a panic late in August? I could see that more. I could see it more. I mean, I don't think Todd Gurley plays in any preseason games, though, because why would he? Like, he did nothing to prove. Don't waste your time. Yeah, the, the upshot. I, this is a long answer. I apologize. the 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 answer is, oh my God, stop stop talking about Todd Gurley world. Stop talking about how completely useless he is based on one leak to one, it's not even a leak, one offhanded comment to one reporter that then gets picked up by wire reports that then everybody feels the need to walk, to talk about on a podcast. Oh my God, calm down. <laughs> so you're drafting Todd Gurley. <laughs> so, you know, ranks in June aren't all that useful, I will say. And could I work myself to the place where I go, Ugh, like Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, maybe I need to go Christian McCaffrey. Like, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, maybe, you know, I, could... But, but if, you're sitting, if you're sitting there at 11, are you twisting your mustache maniacally? Like, the whole, like, ha, ha, ha? Oh, yes. I will definitely <laughs> take Todd Gurley at 11. I mean, I again, let's see. Knowing what I know at this exact moment, yes. If, if I'm now told that I have conclusive evidence that Gurley had knee replacement surgery and he's, he's working with a, <laughs> with a plastic knee, uh, I might change my mind. But... You know, it seems to me the likeliest scenario here is is the Rams, who are smart, look at their roster, and they go, we still got a cheap quarterback, and we paid for Malcolm Brown to keep him away from the Lions, and we drafted uh, some, you know, Daryl Henderson, who I think is a flawed but very exciting big play type uh, option, and they look at what happened last year with a huge Todd Gurley workload, and they go, you know what's going to be smart is if we just don't make him play every single down that we treat him like 28 other teams treat their running backs. He's going to play a lot. going to play a ton. He's going to play 35 snaps a game. He's going to touch it 15 times, 15 plus times a game. And then other guys will work in. And that's how the NFL works these days. If you could sign up for 15 Todd Gurley touches a week, which translates to back of the envelope, what's 15 Todd, Todd Gurley touchdowns a week for over an entire season. It's, some, it's something less than 300, but something more than 250, right? Right. Like, wouldn't you sign up for that? Uh, as long as it, is it 15 carries or just 15 touches? Just for everybody out there, you're talking just about touches, right? I'm talking about touches. Yeah. I mean, and 15 is would probably be low, right? Um, last year, you played 56, 56 snaps a game. That's one of the, not the biggest, but one of the biggest uh, running back just being on the field. The same, same amount as Zeke. Saquon Barkley, 51. Uh, How about I think McCaffrey, this? How about McCaffrey might have been the most. Even if you gave 58. him, he's got, he had 256 carries and he had 59 receptions on top of that. Let's like, either say, we'll give him 240 and 50 over 16 full games because that was only 14 games. You right. that That's potentially, he's still in the top three. Potentially. I mean, the dude scored 21 touchdowns in 14 games last year. Potentially he's the RB1. Right. 
There's no there's no argument. It's it's maybe the best line in football. They lost a couple guys, but you know I think it'll still be still probably be pretty good. It's a good scheme. Like, could some of those touchdowns go to somebody else? Is there more risk with Todd Gurley? That's really what we're talking about here. Is there more risk with Todd Gurley? We'd be fools to sit here and pretend there's not more risk. If there wasn't more risk, he'd be the consensus number one, and it would be hilarious if you picked anybody else. He scored 21 touchdowns last year. But, uh, you know, clearly we're all agreeing there's more risk. What do you do with it? What's the risk really? Right. Is the risk, the to, to me, the risk really is he's not playing at all, that he gets hurt. If, if you're telling me the worst case scenario is, uh-oh, he's not going to get 300 plus touches, I go, cool, I'll take my 260 touches and my... 15 touchdowns and I'll be really, really happy. Uh, It seems to me that having Daryl Henderson there, having, having intimations of a, of a more distributed workload, that's not the risk. The risk is the knee is bad. Right. You can like Daryl Henderson and still like, like it's not the mutual, this isn't a mutually exclusive situation. Like you can't, you don't have to like one and not like the other. Like it doesn't have to be that. And what I'll close out with this is what I find interesting is yes, He's got the injury history and the knee, and we saw what happened last year. But to that point, we're talking about somebody who barely had over 300 touches last year. People, do we remember a couple of seasons ago, like people when they were going bananas when anybody got close to 400 touches? Guess who got close? Ezekiel Elliott in 15 games had almost 400 touches. So, like, we could roll down this ball any hill we want of being concerned about running backs. Yes, and do, should people be more concerned about Todd Gurley than Zeke Elliott injury-wise? Of course they should. We're not sitting here with our heads completely in the sand. Of course they but should. It's cool it in was there. the biggest. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but the, the the biggest game of biggest games of the year, Todd Gurley couldn't play. Right. At least couldn't play much, and that is worrying. And Zeke Elliott didn't have that issue, and so of course, yes, if you're gonna if risk is one of the. Uh, uh, Decision factors is one of the one of the vectors across which you're ranking running backs. Gurley is riskier. Le'Veon Bell has his own risk, right? I would love to put Le'Veon Bell number one because I love, love, love the talent. Always had. But I have to acknowledge he's not playing behind that offensive line. He didn't play for a year. There are some unknowns here that I'll try to capture with my ranks. But and, and so Gurley has more of those than you would like. You more of those than the number one overall running back should have. No question. People are smart to be at least have their antenna up about it but not because you're concerned that some reporter said he might not be a workhorse, whatever the heck that means. Like, I'm cool that if you take away 70 touches from Todd Gurley, he's very clearly still an RB1 as long as he's still Todd Gurley. Exactly. And this is why you should be listening to Chris Harris and following Chris Harris at Harris Football and at the website harrisfootball.com. In addition to, one more time, make sure... The books that are because you, I think you only mentioned the third one, didn't you? Did you mention the all the books? Because it's a series. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a series, right? It's not a. It's not like interconnected series. You're talking about the novels, right? Yes. They're not about the same thing or the same characters, or whatever. It's but but you have like a whole full series on Amazon, like if I want to. I have four novels published. Four, I do, yeah, and the okay. first one actually is about pro football. It's about an undersized running back who tries to make it with the Detroit Lions. Hmm. Interesting. It's I didn't see that slot, one. Slotback Rhapsody, it's called. I didn't even see that one. Not to go Many to... people are saying it's very good. Many people. <laughs> Many the people. The best people. The best people say that it's very good. <laughs> I'm going to put it's exceptionally good after I read it. It's there. I can trump all those <laughs> best people. <laughs> you can trump them, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's Chris Harris. I, man, I appreciate it again. It's always great talking with you. Thank you for having me on, Jake. It was a blast. Once again, that was Chris Harris. Follow him at HarrisFootball, HarrisFootball.com. Check out his books. Check out his work. As you can tell, puts a ton of work in every single season, every single week. Dives deep into his analysis, and it's one of the best minds in fantasy sports or fantasy football, at least, that you can follow. So make sure you're doing that. I'll be back again next Wednesday. A super special guest, everybody. Hopefully you're still listening because you are going to want to come back next Wednesday. As amazing as today's show was, it's one of the best you're going to get for fantasy football. Next week's show is going to be the one of the best you can find, period, for other than football. That's right. Next week, special guest, not talking fantasy football, not even talking fantasy baseball, not even probably talking that much sports. It's somebody that I recently discovered on YouTube and I spent way too much time laughing and watching. That's your tease. You're going to want to come back next Wednesday. It's all in sports. I appreciate you guys. Have a good day.